Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. We closed our last broadcast by looking at the use of the Greek word dikonos, which is translated for deacon. After a summary of how the word is translated and used overall within the New Testament, we discussed its use with reference to Phoebe and concluded that there is no office of deaconess found in the congregation of the Lord. Now we will consider the office of deacon as it is functioned within the assembly of the saints. That there is an office of deacon operating in the congregation of God is clear from Philippians 1.1. It says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. While the Greek word for deacon is used in various ways prior to this verse, this is the first time that the English word for deacon is found in the New Testament. Not only did the King James translators translate this as deacon, essentially all English translations use the word deacon as well. The general consensus of Christianity is that this is a separate office that resides within the congregation of Christ. And while the word is not found in the book of Acts, it is generally agreed that the seven men that were selected by the congregation at Jerusalem, as recorded in chapter 6, were deacons, or that the office of deacon grew out of this event. Let us examine the passage. It reads as follows, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. From this passage, we learn several things regarding deacons. The first thing to consider is that the congregation was to select the men to appoint to this position. The brethren, that is the congregation, were to look ye out among you, Acts 6, 3. It was not a synod, nor a ruling body of elders that made the selection. Second, it was the presbytery within the congregation that set aside the men for the work. Though they were apostles, we saw from previous studies, especially from chapter 5 of 1 Peter, apostles worked as elders within the house of God. Equally, we previously noted that the word for deacon was applied to the apostles. 
Therefore, the apostles did not function as some ecclesiastical body separate from or over the congregation. Third, there were seven men selected. This is not to teach that each congregation should have at least seven deacons. The congregation at Jerusalem was composed of several thousand. We know that on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 were added to the congregation, and others were added on a daily basis, compare Acts 2.47. Later, in Acts 4.4, it is stated that about 5,000 men were, were later added. Therefore, when considering both men and women, it could easily have been upward of 10,000 believers in Jerusalem at that time. It appears until the time of Acts chapter 6 that the apostles were doing what would be considered as deacon work. Acts 4.35 and 37 and Acts 5.2 state that the money for the possessions sold and given to the congregation was laid at the apostles' feet. Though there were twelve of them, they were trying to serve tables and minister the word of God at the same time. This was not only too much for them to accomplish since some of the widows were neglected in the daily ministration, but it was causing them to leave or forsake the word of God. Therefore, seven men were to be selected. In other words, only enough men necessary to administer the business at hand for the assembly were selected. In some congregations, one or two deacons may only be needed, while there may be more men that have the qualifications. The fourth thing we note is that men were selected and not women. From our previous study, we noted that the scriptures clearly established that only men are to hold this office, and it should not be necessary to repeat this again. The fifth thing to consider is that according to the names of the men selected, it appears they were all Grecians or Hellenistic Jews, since they had Greek names. The Hellenist Jews, or Grecians, were Jews who spoke the Greek language and adopted some of the Greek culture. Therefore, since Grecian widows were the ones being neglected, we see the wisdom of the congregation to choose such men to help remove any idea of prejudice and establish peace among the brethren. The sixth consideration is that deacons were for the purpose of serving tables. The Greek word for serve is diakoneo, which is from the Greek word dikonos, that is translated deacon. And it is the same root for the Greek word diakonia in verse 1 and translated ministration. This gives further support that this incident is the beginning of the office of deacon in the New Testament congregation. Prior to this time, it is apparent that this work was being done by the apostles, but discretion required that an office be established for this work. The meaning of serving tables immediately referred to seeing that the Grecian widows were provided for from the money and other supplies that were being collected on a daily basis. However, as the assembly continued to mature, 
No doubt the meaning of serving tables included many other things. Allow me to quote from the Baptist John Gill regarding this. The tables of the poor collected for them inspect into their several cases and circumstances and distribute according to them, which required a good deal of time, care, thought, and circumspection, especially in such a church where the numbers were so large. From hence we learn what is the business of deacons who were afterwards appointed to take this part of the apostles' work off of their hands and attend to it, which is to serve tables, the tables of the Lord, by providing the bread and the wine for it, receiving both from the minister when blessed and distributing them to the members and collecting from them for the poor and the defraying the charge and observing what members are missing at the ordinance whom they are to admonish, and if their admonitions are not regarded, to report it to the church. And they are likewise to serve the minister's table by taking care that he has a sufficient competency for his support, and it belongs to them to stir up the members of the church to their duty in communicating to him and what they receive of them they are to apply to his use, and also they are to serve the poor's table, to whom they are to distribute of the church's stock with all impartiality, simplicity, cheerfulness, and sympathy. Regardless if you agree with everything Gill outlined or not, I believe it can be agreed that the work of the deacon was to be a support and an aid to the ministry for the benefit of the congregation. It is sad that too often there have been tension and sometimes open opposition between the elders and the deacon within the assembly of the saints. This ought not to be. However, on a positive note, I have witnessed and currently know of several occasions where the fellowship and joint labors of the pastors and deacons are harmonious and a delight to behold as they labor together for the good and well-being of the congregation and thereby honor the Lord and the offices he established in the house of God. While there is no direct scriptural support for deacons to be supported financially by the congregation, as are the elders, I can believe it might be beneficial for large congregations to do so as the need and work might demand. I know this may be a radical idea, but when a congregation is large and there are many widows and other poor members who may need a lot of attention, it would be extremely difficult for a deacon to devote the time for his daily occupation and have the proper time to dedicate to the needs of widows and other duties. Obviously, much wisdom and care would need to be exercised for this to be done. But if the congregations were caring for such people accordingly, it may well be that fear, if any, Christians would be dependent on the government for their livelihood. Our time is up for today, but hopefully I leave you with something to consider 
or for your consideration and prayer. The Lord willing, we will continue our study of the deaconship in our next broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.